Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? It's a beautiful day outside, right? You had nothing better to do. You're like, we're going to go to church today because it's raining. I'm just kidding. This is the best place you could be on a Sunday morning. Uh, glad that you're here. Thanks for being with us in person and everybody who's online with us this morning. Uh, a couple of additional things I just want to add to uh, announcements right now. We started Erase the Red last week. We invited you to invest in the lives of other people. And uh, we had 30 of those slots that were taken last Sunday, which is awesome. Uh, a lot of you said, we're going to go home and pray about this. So I, I know you prayed about it all week. And here's what God's saying. Sign up today, okay? <laughs> so when you leave today, go out there. They've got some gift cards. We'd love to have you jump in and serve here at The Journey and be a part of uh, what's happening here in this church community. Uh, yesterday, we celebrated the McGee's, Alyssa and Ryan McGee. Uh, they have been here at the church for about 12 years. Alyssa was on staff for nine. Ryan was on staff for four. Uh, they are moving to Wisconsin. We, we told you about that before. Um, yesterday, we celebrated them. We ordained Ryan into Christian ministry and uh, then had a little child dedication for one of their, their children, their, their newest son, Max. Uh, they should be here today. I know they're still finishing up some packing, but today's their last day. They are actually driving to Wisconsin today, and uh, they should be here during the, the middle of our services. So if you know them, make sure you just give them a hug, thank them, tell them you're praying for them. I know they would love that, okay? Uh, one last thing. It is Wager Sunday at The Journey, okay? And some of you are brand new, like we walked into the wrong church. It's Commanders versus Cowboys today. I was not going to do this because we have our second string quarterback playing, but he's been winning games. Our first string can't win games, but second string has. So here's the deal. It's Wager Sunday. Um, the wager I would make with you, because I'm a Cowboys fan, and I know we have quite a few Commanders fans. If the Cowboys lose next Sunday, I will wear a Commanders jersey or shirt. Okay? Yep. Now, I'm not paying for it. You got to bring one that I can wear. And it better fit, okay? It better fit. But here's the best part. If you're a Commander fan, you just show us the money, all right? This is the best fundraiser we do as a church every single year because the Commanders, if you're a fan, your deal is you got to bring more offering next Sunday. And you guys do that when you lose. So do that for next week. Just go ahead and start writing those checks. That's our deal. We good? Okay, come on. Are we in? All right, here we go. Big offering next week. I got a feeling for that. But anyway, <clears throat> welcome to the journey. We don't do that. We, gambling's not healthy for you, okay? Just throw that out there if you're brand new. Like, oh my gosh, we got to leave this place quickly. No five weeks for us. Um, having a little fun. My very first ministry was in New Jersey. I was an associate pastor at a church. And Kara, this was before kids, she was working uh, full-time as a personal trainer in an upscale uh, gym there in Princeton, New Jersey. She had a client in her 60s, uh, uh, an accomplished author, and one day Kara's working with her, and the lady says to Kara, says, hey, have you seen this one guy here at, at the gym? Kara's like, what are you talking about? She said, there's this one guy, I mean, he's, he's tall, he's got broad shoulders, he's sculpted, he looks like the Greek river gods. <laughs> Kara's like, no, I don't think I've seen this guy. I mean, maybe next time you see him, you can point him out, you know, keep doing these 225 pound reps on your, your bench presses. Come on now. Well, two weeks pass and the lady looks at Kara and they're, again, they're working out and, and the lady says to Kara, she says, there's the guy. Kara's like, what? She's like, over there. And she points to me. 
exactly. Kara, I don't know how she did this. She did not bust out laughing right there in that moment. But like you, we asked the question like, what do the Greek river gods look like, right? This is what I wanna know. So I did a little research and I found a picture of these guys and here you go. I'm not sure if this is good or bad, honestly. But um, yeah, this is actually a true story that, that happened uh, to, to Karen. This is what this lady said, and supposedly I look like a Greek river god. But what does this have to do with us today in the church? Well, river gods are little G gods, okay? And these, these gods, just any god, has been around since the start of time in all kinds of cultures. We're, we're probably most familiar with Greek and Roman mythology. Let me kind of uh, go back a little bit to our history classes and talk about you know, the connections here. Greek gods, if you looked at them, they were based on human personalities. Talking about love and honor and, and dignity and the roles connected to exactly what they did. They were the god of the sky. They were the god of the sea. They were the gods of, of the river. You had names like Zeus and Poseidon and, and Aphrodite. Now, we know a lot about these gods because of the Iliad that was written by Homer. Well, the Greek myths, they, they came first and then the, the Roman myths came after that. And the Roman myths are really patterned after those Greek gods. But they were named after objects, objects like Jupiter and Neptune. And we know a lot about them through the writing in the, the book called the Ennead. Well, if we look at Greek mythology, uh, it, it emphasized the good deeds that, that, that humans could perform. For the Roman gods, it was a little bit different. It wasn't focused on your work on earth, but you were kind of asked to emulate what the gods did and how the gods acted and, and reacted and the work they did. And then that would kind of feed into your afterlife. But there's this one thing, if you, if you look at gods of, of cultures over time that you're gonna find, whether it's Greek gods or Roman gods or Egyptian gods, there always seemed to be this, this war that they were having. They're, they were always battling each other or they were battling humans. It was like you had these gods that were at war. And today we start this brand new series called Gods at War. And we're not gonna talk about Greek mythology and Roman mythology and, and Egyptian gods. We're gonna talk about a real war that is happening inside of you and I on a constant and daily basis. One that we may not know exists or, or we may just not acknowledge. And so over the course of this series, we're gonna take our time to talk through some of the biggest battles we face, some of those gods that are part of our life that we're constantly fighting against. Because here's what we know, those, those gods in our life, they bring incredible pain. They bring about broken relationships. They, they bring about mental health crisis. They, they make our lives messy. And so over the course of these next few weeks, I'm hoping that this series will help us have a better understanding how to fight against these gods that we have and how we can win those battles. But we gotta have a starting point. And to start today, I wanna read a little passage out of Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods. Here's what he writes. He says, there's a difference between sorrow and despair. Sorrow is pain for which there are sources of consolation. Sorrow comes from losing one good thing among others so that if you experience a career reversal, you can find comfort in your family to get you through it. Despair, however, is inconsolable because it comes from losing an ultimate thing. 
When you lose the ultimate source of your meaning or hope, there are no alternative sources to turn to. It breaks your spirit. We are a culture that is full of despair. And that despair and suffering that we face on a daily basis comes from what we ultimately worship. Maybe our worship is our career. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's pleasure. Just fill in the blank, whatever you can think of. When in the end, what we should truly be focused on and what we should be worshiping isn't these things, it is God. But too often we find something else to try to satisfy the suffering and despair that we have. And we're looking for, as, as Keller says here, this, this source of meaning or hope. And so we have these little G gods that we battle against in our life. When we think about these little G gods and we look in the Bible, we actually find there is a ton about them. Now, the Bible calls this idolatry. And if you were just to step back for a second and you just think about the whole Bible and, and the people that are in it, I think we'd come to the realization that the Bible is just a book or many books about one thing. It's all about idolatry. It's about people who are trying to choose who they're gonna follow. Are you gonna follow God? Are you gonna follow Jesus? Are you gonna worship God? Or are these, these idols in your life gonna be more important to you than anything else? I mean, if you look at scripture, that's what it is all about. This battle between choosing which God to follow. The big G God has something to say about those little G gods and idols. And we're first really introduced to this in the book of Exodus, and it's the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. And you've got this brand new nation who's trying to kind of figure itself out. And God says, Here's some rules and commands that you need to follow. And if you can do these things, if you can follow these commands, good things are gonna happen. Now, if we really look at those 10 commandments, here's what we're gonna find. They're about two things, loving God and loving people. That's it. That, that really is what it's all about. And, and God's like, if you can love me and, and you can love people, your life can be pretty good. And so he gives these 10 commandments. But if we look at these 10 commandments, we're gonna find out pretty quickly how God feels about these little G gods and idols in people's lives. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse three. It's the very first commandment. Here's what it says. You must not have any other God but me. The first commandment says, I am to be your only God. And God doesn't give any leeway to a secondary or tertiary God, right? God says, I'm it. I am your only God. There are no other gods, nada, zilch, zero, nothing else should take my place. And so God begins there, but then look at verse four. It says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. So God starts out here and says, rule number one, no God except for me. But, but then rule number two here is you can't have even any idols. Set it on your, your mantle in your house. You can't have them anywhere. Like I have got to be central to your life. Nothing should take precedence over me as, as God. Now you and I, we, we look at those two commandments right there. We're probably thinking to ourselves that we're probably pretty good. 
Because it's like, I, I mean, I, I don't have any Egyptian gods, and I don't have any Roman gods, and I don't have any Greek river gods in, in my house, except for Kara. I don't know how Kara is supposed to facilitate that in her life, but there you go. But God is so serious about this that God says, here are my first two commandments. This is what it looks like for your life. I am your only God, and you should have no other idols in your life. And again, for us, we can kind of say, well, that, that sounds good. And I think I'm good because I don't have any of that happen in my life. I don't have any of those idols in my, my home or wherever I work. And yet we forget that our idols can be other things. I love the way Kyle Eidelman, who's a pastor and author, puts it. He says, who or what we worship is what we live for. And that determines everything. Who or what we worship is what we live for, and that determines everything. Now, there are things that are in our life that are probably most important to us, and if we really thought about those things, those, those people, uh, those ideas, those thoughts, those, those items, those possessions, it's the potential that we worship them. And if we worship them, then they are our idols, they are our gods. Now, how do we figure this out? We ask ourselves two questions. What do I worship and who do I worship? What do I worship and who do I worship? And we ask those questions, that seems pretty simple. It's like, okay, well, well I, I'm pretty good to go then because you know, I don't worship anybody other than God. I show up at church and, and there, there's no, no thing that I, I, I worship, so I, I should be good. I don't have any idols. We've got to get beyond thinking in those terms. And that's why I want to spend the next few moments just doing, um, asking seven questions. Uh, Kyle Eidelman, you know, said, hey, these are seven questions that are healthy for us to ask ourselves. Because if we do, it allows us to see what our gods may be and the things that we may be worshiping. And as we read through these, you're going to be thinking, oh, I didn't think about that. But we need to think about that because we can end up worshiping things that seem good to us and yet they're not. So here are these seven questions. I'm going to hit these pretty quickly here. Here's question number one. What has left you feeling the most disappointed? What has left you feeling the most disappointed? Or another way to put this is what do you complain about? Because whatever you complain about probably means you're disappointed in. And if you're disappointed in it, that's probably where a lot of your focus is. And if that's where your focus is, more than likely that is something that you are worshiping. Are you disappointed in your finances? Are you disappointed in your kids? Are you disappointed in your marriage? Are you disappointed in your intimacy with your spouse? Are you disappointed in your job? Look, those things, they can become our idols because we focus so much on them. So question number one there is what has left you feeling the most disappointed? Question number two, what do you sacrifice your time and money for? The easiest way to figure this one out, look at your calendar, look at your checking account. If you look at those two things, you're going to find where you spend your time and where you spend your money. And many times what we worship, even though we don't think about it in the way that we're talking about here, here's an opportunity to think about it. That could be what's most important to us. That could be our idol. That could be our God. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Question number three, what are you worried about? This is a really, really good one. What are you worried about? What keeps you up at night? What scares you? What do you fear? Do you fear being alone? Do you fear not being successful? Because what we worry about, 
what we fear could very easily be our God. First, or question number four, where do you go when you're hurt or need comfort? We know that people are hurting today, and many of us, we, we're hurting ourselves, but, but where do we go to find comfort in that pain and that hurt? Maybe we go to food. Maybe we go to websites. Maybe we go to alcohol. Maybe we go to unhealthy relationships. Maybe we go to even something like exercise. What is the thing that we turn to first before we turn to God when we're hurting and in pain? Because where we go for comfort can be our idol and can be our God. Number five, question five, what makes you mad? I know nobody in here ever loses their temper, so this is a hypothetical type thing, okay? Um, if you did lose your temper coaching your kid's uh, basketball team or driving up and down 395, it could be that that anger that you have means that you have an idol in your life. And many times it's a control issue. I can't control things, so I get angry about them. What is it in your life that makes you mad? What are you angry about all the time? Because I'm going to tell you what, if you're angry all the time, if you're mad all the time, it's a pretty good chance that there's an idol in your life that's driving you to that place. What do you get mad about? Question number six, what do you dream about or what are you most passionate about? Now we hear that, we're thinking, this is great, right? I'm supposed to have dreams. I'm supposed to be passionate about stuff. This is who I'm supposed to be. God gave me these dreams and passion. I get that. But sometimes those dreams and the passion that we have become way more important than God. If you have dreams and, and, and these passions that you feel like God's instilled in you, are those actually more important than your relationship with God? Are those more important than your connection to Jesus? Because sometimes our dreams and passions, they can actually be God's in our life. And then question number seven, Whose encouragement means the most to you? Whose encouragement means the most to you? Now, I know we ourselves that's encouragement. Has that been the thing that you're looking for and searching for more than anything else? Have you been waiting for your boss to tell you, hey, good job? Have you been striving your whole life for your mom? your dad, or in your marriage, your spouse, to, to say something to you that's encouraging to you, you just never heard. And so you spend your days focused on trying to get that encouragement as much as you can, even for maybe the first time. Hey, you know what? That can be your God. And that can be your idol, especially if it takes precedence over our relationship and our connection to Jesus. This is just a starting point. These are just seven questions that I think that we can ask ourselves because so often we don't think about that. Can we, we think about some little, little, little bean that, that we put on a mantle, we put on our, in our car, that we put on our, our desk in the office, and we think that, that's an idol. But we forget that our idols, they, they are our ideas, they are our, our life, they, they are the things that we think about all the time. And, and we get so focused on these, on these that they become more important than our connection to God than fully following Jesus. And so it really changes this idea of these gods at war. And you and I need to be aware of what those gods are in our life. Because here's the deal, we're gonna worship something. In the end, you and I, we will worship something. 
Now, what is that thing that we worship? Uh, that's a choice that you and I have to make. But here's, here's what I need you to know. There is no middle ground, okay? We either choose our idols and our little G gods, or we choose the big G God to worship. We, we choose Jesus to follow. There, there's no middle ground where we can do these things together. We have got to make a choice. A few decades after uh, Moses gets the Ten Commandments from God, the leader at the time is a guy named Joshua. Joshua gathers all the leaders of Israel together for this one last conversation. And we find this in Joshua chapter 24, starting with verse 1. It says this, says, Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshiped other gods. Now, again, a little bit of the context here. This is the end of Joshua's life. Um, he is getting ready to pass away. We find this out in the next chapter. Uh, but he's also a, a time for him to bring all these le leaders together because usually you would do this if there was some political uh, issue that needed to be addressed or if there was this transition of leadership. And that's what we have right here. This is a transition of leadership. Joshua is coming out of his position as, as leader. And he reminds these leaders that at one point in time, their forefathers worshiped all these little G gods. I mean, that's a part of, of their history. And that really was the focus of their lives. Well, if we look at verses 3 through 13, we're not going to read through that. Please go back and, and do that. We find that Joshua is, is retelling how the Israelites got to where they were. And he retells about how, how God came in, into Abraham's life and how God changed Abraham and began this new nation called Israel. And, and where they were right now was all because of God. That, that was it. And, and so God needed to be the focus of their lives. But look at verse 14. Here's what Joshua says. It says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. He says, serve the Lord alone. Joshua tells the leaders that day that because of what God has done for Israel, what they needed to do is to now focus on God and to serve God. He says there, there is the past, but you now need to focus on God and you need to serve God and only focus and serve God. But then that's what he says in verse 15. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Now that word choose that Joshua uses there is not the same idea that we have when we talk about the word choose. We, we think about the word choose and it's kind of like, all right, I have to choose between a, a Dairy Queen blizzard or a Wendy's Frosty, okay? I, I gotta choose which one. And, and you make that choice, which Dairy Queen blizzard's always gonna win. You make that choice, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, by the way, chocolate. And um, you make that choice and you go and you buy it and you eat it, you enjoy it, it's pleasurable, but then it's gone, right? After a little bit of time, you, you forgot that you ate that. Now, that's the word choose that we think about so often. That's actually not the word that Joshua uses here. The, the Hebrew word that he uses here means this continuous decision. This is a continuous decision that you 
are making. This isn't some short-term decision that you're making where you have a, uh, something that you like and you choose it and you, you have it and it's pleasurable and then you're done. It's not like that at all. He, he says this choice, this decision that you are making, it's gonna affect you for the long term. This isn't a short-term solution. This is a long-term decision that you are making that will influence your life, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime and maybe even for eternity. The, the idea being God, God's not interested in sharing. God, God's not interested in sharing the focus of, of our hearts that we have to choose. Is it gonna be my idols? Is it gonna be my little G gods? Or am I gonna choose to worship God? Am I gonna to choose to follow Jesus? Again, there is no middle ground. Here's what he says in verse 15. He says, would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? Again, Joshua does this the whole time. He keeps going back to the ancestors. He's like, are you gonna worship and are you gonna follow these, these, these gods, little g gods of, of the past? But then I love what he does here. Then he brings it to the present. He says, or are you going to worship and follow these, these gods and the culture you live in now? Like, this isn't just about the past. This is about right now and where you're living right now. What will you choose to follow? Who will you choose to follow? Verse 15, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. For me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua makes his choice here. For him, it's not about the gods of the past. It's not about, about the, the gods that, that are present now and the culture that is all around them. He says, we are going to make, and he brings his family to this, we are going to make a choice right now, a continuous decision that we will fully follow God. And he invites them to do the same. Jack Taylor once said, an idol is something you have to check with before you say yes to God. Read that one more time. An idol is something you have to check with before you say yes to God. If we go back to those seven questions that we just asked, and if we were really honest with ourselves with the answers that we would give, how many of those would we say, yeah, I need to check with that before I worship God? I need to check with that before I fully follow Jesus. Because the reality is, for you and I, there are probably a lot of idols in our life that we don't even think about. There are a lot of little G gods that we are focused on in our life that, that we don't even think about. And, and we ask ourselves those questions and, and we think, well, hold up a second. Yeah, yeah. there's this and this and this. For me, I've shared this before, it can be the church. And I know that's like, well, you should be focused on the church. Well, I can be focused on the church more than I can be focused on worshiping God. I can be focused on the church more than I can on following Jesus. And I know what one of my idols, one of my gods can, can be. What is it for you? Because often... We will check with that idol. We will check with those little G gods before we will worship the God, before we fully follow Jesus. What might that be for you? 
let me add this though this morning, and this is key. So often when we think about idols and when we think about these gods that are war in our life, it's easy for us to think about the bad things. You know, we, we can easily pull out all the bad things. I and mean, we, we know the things we struggle with in our life. We, we know our sins. We, we know we're missing the mark from following Jesus. And so we, we can pull out those bad things. Like, yep, this is easy for me to do. We need to realize, too, like I was just talking about for, for me in the church, that there are good things in our life that are our idols. There are good things in our life that have become our gods. Like marriage. Marriage is a good thing. But for us, is our marriage more important? Is our spouse more important than us worshiping God? Is our marriage more important than following Jesus? Again, marriage is good, but, but marriage, marriage can, can be our idol. Or, or how about uh, if you're in the dating world? You know, you're, 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 you're in the dating world. Hey, guess what? Dating is good. But are you searching for a relationship so hard that that's become your idol, that that's become your God? And you've forgotten that you should be following Jesus with all that you have, that you've forgotten what it means to really worship God. Because like Taylor said, you're checking with your dating world and, and these relationships before, before you're focused on God. Uh, maybe it's your work world. Work is good, but work can do the exact same thing. We, we can be so focused on, on that title or that income or getting that project done that it becomes more important to us. And we're checking with work before we're worshiping God. That we're, that we're doing everything we can for work before we are fully following Jesus. And so work is good, but, but it can be our idol too. Or parents, those creatures that live in our house, they eat all the food and cost us a bunch of money. Our children, oh, this is a big one. Hey, those kids that we love, they can become our idols. They can become our gods. And you know what? They're good. They're good. It's good to have kids. But at the same time, they can become more important to us than worshiping God and following Jesus. See, see we don't really think about how the good things in our life can take precedence over, over God. We, we don't think about how these good things in our life can become the thing that we focus on and we can follow them more than we follow Jesus. There are good things in our lives that can be idols too. But in the end, as we go back and we think about what Joshua says here, we all worship something. We, we worship people, we worship ideas, we worship things and we worship these guys because we have this longing that's deep inside of us. There's this suffering. There's this despair. And we're looking to feel that. We're looking for something or someone to save us, right? To save us from our fears, to save us from our control issues, from our anger, from our disappointment, from our broken relationships. We're looking for something or someone to heal us. To heal us in our time of suffering. To heal us in the despair that we feel in our lives to give us meaning and to give us hope which means we need to be aware of those gods at war in each one of us that there's something in us that's seeking attention that that needs to be fulfilled and maybe we've never dealt with it maybe we've never acknowledged it maybe we've never asked these questions really thought through like 
wow, this is what idols and gods really look like for me today. Now we've held on to those gods way too long. And yet what we find is there's this battle of these gods at war inside us. So my hope is as we go through these next four weeks over this series, as we look at actually some very specific gods that we battle against, that in the end we can be just like Joshua. That in the end we can say, hey, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. These gods of war always be there. They're not going to go anywhere, but we can choose We can choose and we can make this continuous decision in our life to worship God and to follow Jesus and to defeat those gods at war inside of us. Let's pray.